that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Friday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. It's been a while. It feels weird to not be with you guys, but we're back now. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means will be along in a second. And I'm doing this podcast Nathan Baird style. Nathan, what do you think I mean by that? means you're doing the same thing I'm doing right now, which is wearing uh, pajama bottoms and something more formal up top. So t- technically, I'm pantsless. I am pantsless. We both have our glasses on. You have on pajama bottoms. I have on no pants. Buckeye talk. But listen, I mean, we, we were up late. You were up how late? About 4 a.m. Yeah. I fell asleep at like 3.30. I didn't get my story done. I finished it in the morning. You did get your story done. We're recording this just before 10 a.m. Friday morning. Justin Fields is a Chicago Bear. Maybe we'll get into a little bit of how we think the second and third round will unfold, except we already did that. By the time people listen to it, that might be wrong. So this is really reacting to Justin Fields. But I do want to talk about Jamison Williams a little bit because we haven't had a podcast since Jamison Williams entered the transfer portal. But let's give people not just reaction, but a little bit of news. You wrote a great story that I would direct everybody to Cleveland.com slash OSU about Justin Fields in Chicago. And you, ha- you had in there what Ryan Pace, the GM, Matt Nagy, right? Was Matt Nagy in there too, the coach? Yep. No, just what? Pace. As far just as Pace. Okay. Quotes, yeah. What? What is the Chicago reaction and reasoning behind trading next year's first round pick to go from 20 to 11 to get Justin Fields? I think I said to our texters before the draft, I sent something out about uh, Justin Fields. And I said, there's a some GM right now can't believe how fortunate he thinks he's going to get. And that turned out to describe Ryan Pace, I think. Like I, I they went into the night, he said, wanting to do what they had to do to get up and get a quarterback. But obviously, as you pointed out when we did our mock, as you had picked the the Bears to jump all the way up to six, but the draft capital you have to spend to move from 20 to six is significant. And the Bears aren't that far off of, you know, they, they won eight games last year. So you're just a couple wins away from, from being a, you know, division championship contention, really, if you want to look at it that way. And so, so taking a, a young quarterback can be a, a tricky proposition in some ways. But I think they felt like the what they had to pay to move from 20 to 11 made a lot of sense to get a guy that they were obviously impressed with. They were at they had personnel at both of Justin Fields pro days for the first pro day. It was um, some some lower level guys, I think maybe the offensive coordinator and somebody else. And then for the second pro day, which was just Justin Fields and Sean Wade doing stuff, that's where Pace, Matt Nagy. And, and their player personnel director were all there. So they got a, a, two good looks at him and came away really impressed by all the physical things. But I, I, we've always thought people were impressed by the physical things. There were It was more the intangibles, I think, that maybe set him apart. You know, Ryan Pace talked a lot about all of the things that we've kind of gotten to know from Justin Fields over the last couple of years, that sort of seriousness of purpose and his intelligence and his convictions and also um on the physical side of things it's one thing to watch a guy on tv but when you go up and stand next to justin fields sometimes then you realize oh this that's what kind of athlete i'm standing next to here they came way impressed by that too i think just the way he's built and why they think that being a a more mobile quarterback he can stand up to that kind of contact at the next level and 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 have the kind of combination of both the toughness and the um, 
the physical prowess to get through that. So Ryan Pace also mentioned he was at the Michigan game in 2019 where Justin Fields got hurt, you know, hurt, re-injured the knee, left the game for a while, came back and threw the touchdown pass. Like he was affected by that. That put just like a kernel in the back of his mind that just sort of lingered there, I think, until this draft process came around. And that sort of that impression of his toughness and just the grit to get through that, in addition to the physical skill to come in and, and throw the touchdown the way he did, I think those things were, were sort of the baseline that they were then building on when they went through this process, trying to decide who they wanted as far as that, that quarterback they could maybe trade up and get. I think it's a, such a great fit in so many ways. I'm thinking about somebody like Allen Robinson, the veteran receiver who just got a franchise tag slapped up him by the Bears this offseason, and a guy like Khalil Mack, who was a huge move when the bears went and got him as one of the best defensive players in the NFL, they haven't, they've made the playoffs and playoffs in two of the three years since they got Khalil Mack, they haven't won a playoff game yet. And I'm thinking about, I think Chicago was a frustrated franchise. And I'm thinking about if you are a bears player, if you are a bears fan, this is a bolt of electricity. Justin Fields feels like the answer to your problems. And, but here's the thing. It's not cosmetic. Because I think sometimes franchises can do things to kind of make fans happy. This is on the surface, but there is so much substance to it. I wrote a thing in March, and it was about Baker Mayfield and the Browns, that I believe the act of committing to a young quarterback is in and of itself good for a football team. It gives you purpose. It gives you structure. It gives you a time frame. You start to build to win with that young quarterback. The Bears did that with Mitch Trubisky, and it didn't work with the quarterback, but the other things are in place. Last year, the bears were eight in DVOA on defense. They were 25th on offense. They have a couple skill guys that are okay. I think maybe their offensive line could get better, but Matt Nagy at one time was viewed as a great offensive mind, right? Justin Fields is their future. He also is their present. I just wrote a column where I compared it to the Tom Brady move. The Bucs try Jameis Winston. He's not the long-term answer. You build around Winston, you slide in Brady. The Tennessee Titans tried Marcus Mariota, build around him, take him out, slide in Ryan Tannehill, they win. The Los Angeles Rams took Jared Goff, tried that, made a Super Bowl with him, didn't think he was a long-term answer, pull him out, slide in Matthew Stafford, you go. Now, the thing about this is it's not a veteran you're sliding in. It's a rookie, but it's a win-now rookie. So I know, Nathan, they said, hey, Andy Dalton, I get it, whatever. Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback, if not week one by week four, right? I mean, he's the guy. This is not Andy Dalton's solution. They already tried that with Nick Foles. That's not how you do it. And if they don't win, they're going to get fired. And Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson don't want to watch Andy Dalton. They want this guy because Justin Fields is a rallying cry. He gives hope. He is a turbo shot of adrenaline to the Chicago Bears, but he's all about substance. I think this fits in so many ways. And if Aaron Rodgers and, and Nathan and Steven, we'll get to you in a second, but Nathan, you know this division, the NFC North a little bit. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded by the Packers, listen, the Bears haven't been awful. They were 12-4 and four three years ago with Mr. Trubisky, and they should have advanced in the playoffs, but the kicker double-doinked it. They were 8-8 eight and eight each of the last two years. Again, this is a top-10 defense. Justin Fields doesn't have to do everything by himself, but they need him to be good. If he's good, they can win 10 or 11 games and win this division, and it starts right now. 
Well, it, uh, and I, I did see last night that the Packers GM said they're not trading Aaron Rodgers. That seems like such a, a bizarre soap opera. And I, uh, and Bears fans are certainly uh, feeling maybe like there's a moment that's happening here, though, where you've got, you know, your, your main rival is sort of in disarray. And then you make a move like this to potentially, you know, galvanize yourself for the future. But it, it's important to remember that the, the Andy Dalton thing and it's uh, Nick Foles is there, too. So they've got two veteran quarterbacks who started like 200 games combined in the NFL. There, there's a there's a veteran presence in that on that roster, a quarterback. But Ryan Pace pointed out that. As you said before, you know, Matt Nagy came to Chicago with like a, a major offensive reputation. And where did he build that? In Kansas City. What happened in 2017? He was the offensive coordinator when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. And he learned for years, set for a year behind Alex Smith before he took over. Now, Alex Smith was. I'm, I think, limiting, I'm limiting this conversation because it's fake. Go ahead. I'm just saying, I'm but just people saying. should know it's a thing that a GM says on draft night. I, I would bet my house that Justin Fields is the starting quarterback by week five. So go ahead and you can repeat the thing there, that GM said. It's fake. I think but, you're probably right. But I mean, this is, this is the, that's the, they talked about that process, but I think it's a lie. You know it's accelerated. It's going to be there's an accelerated. A, go ahead, Stephen. There's a perfect, I mean, we, uh, Cleveland did it with, with Baker Mayfield and Terah Taylor. Where it, for the head coach came out for 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 months. Terod Taylor's our starter. Terod Taylor's our starter. Terod Taylor was even the starter when the season started. But by the time that season ended, Baker Mayfield was out there running the show. And Matt Nagy role. is a thousand times better coach than Hugh Jackson, who let Hugh Jackson right. left that decision up to Tyrod Taylor getting hurt. There's no way. So like I get right. it's, it's what they're saying on draft night. It will help Justin Fields to have a veteran quarterback, whether it's. Andy Dalton or Nick Foles in that room with him, that will help. He is not a blockade because if they try to play Andy Dalton, Khalil Mack and Allen Robinson are going to come in the coach's room and tear Matt Nagy's arms off. Because when you get around Justin Fields, when you're a player around Justin Fields, you see what he is. And Nathan, you just said up close, he's even more impressive than he is from afar. He's physical. He's accurate. He's smart. He's tough. He's personable. He's not a jerk about it, but he's got some charisma, right? This is the kind of thing older players gravitate to a young quarterback like this. Nobody's gravitating Andy Dalton. No offense to Andy Dalton, but it's all mumbo jumbo. Justin Fields is the guy, and it's right now. I mean, I just think it's – there's it, that, that takes turbo shot of adrenaline away if you try to Andy Dalton out there for 10 games. You may as well just sign your walking papers. I mean, just go ahead and quit, Matt Nagy. I get it. We won't break him in. It's fake. I mean, no offense. I, I, get how, I get how GMs talk on draft night. It's not true. So this is what's going to happen. I like the Bears fit. Steven, he lasted longer than any of us predicted. Justin Fields lasted until number 11. We said six and seven. But what did you think of how the night unfolded for him? What did you think of it as you were watching it? I don't have a problem with it because he lasted longer because <laughs> Detroit uh, – Carolina and, D- and Denver messed up the draft, you know, especially Denver. I think they threw off the Dallas Cowboys with what they wanted to do because they took Patrick Sertain instead of going for a quarterback. So that seven through nine range where Nathan and I both had him in, and you had him pretty close to that because they didn't do what everybody thought they were going to do. It threw everybody else off. So outside of that, this went pretty idea what, what we thought was going to happen. It was either going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance. And depending on who, who it was, was how much just Justin Fields was going to fall. 
Well, it was Trey Lance, so Justin Fields didn't fall nearly as far as maybe he would have had it been Trey had it been Mac Jones who the 49ers would have decided to pick. Because then if if he's still on the table, do the Bears need feel the need to go jump up and get Justin Fields if Trey Lance is also on still on the table? Did you think that, Nathan? Did you think that when Trey Lance went three instead of Mac Jones, that that was good news for Fields? I don't know I, that it, it I did. I thought it was great news. I mm-hmm. thought it changed the whole draft. Because just what Nathan, what Steven said, I, I thought Mac Jones was going to fall as he did. And I think if Mac Jones would have gone three, I think Trey Lance wouldn't have fallen as far as Mac Jones did. And that might have bumped Justin down. Maybe. I, I, I see what you're saying there. I do think once I definitely thought that once Trey Lance went three, that fields would go ahead of Jones. I didn't. I was skeptical that some team would take Jones ahead of fields, even the team that ended up taking Jones, I, I which was the Patriots at 15. I, I assumed that they would have preferred Justin Fields, but, but who knows? Um, and I, I, the one thing that, that threw off the way that I looked at the draft was, I, I guess I had assumed that the Dolphins would take Panay Sewell at six, which was, I mean, he might end up being the best football player in this <laughs> pool in some ways, or like the, the best at his position long, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's guys, there's evaluators out there who I saw something like there's only one surefire hall of famer in this draft class and it's Panay Sewell. Mm-hmm. Somebody's saying something like that. So like, when 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 he got taken when he didn't get taken at six, I think then the Lions felt like, well, we can't pass this guy up at seven. I wonder if the Dolphins had taken Sewell at six, if that had it would have created some domino effect after that. Because we all thought somebody would be trading up maybe with the Dolphins or somewhere in that juncture to take Fields. I know the Lions said they had Sewell higher than Fields on their board. And I think you make an interesting point there. I'm not surprised that the Dolphins went skill there. I, I think it's I think that was yep. the right move for them. I also think it was the right move for the Bengals to take to take chase at five but I I wasn't sure there was a big Aaron Rodgers to Denver that came up as the draft was unfolding March Schlereth the former player who works in Denver said like that deal was as close to done as it could be I don't know if that threw it off because I don't as Stephen as you said for the Broncos to take a corner there it's like well okay I, I don't know like your defense I thought was okay and so what are you doing? You putting you just running Drew Locke out there again? Like what's your cause then <laughs> another team like the Bears that I think has a good defense that if they had a competent quarterback, you got Jerry Judy, they got KJ Hamler, they got Melvin Gordon. If you get a competent quarterback in Denver, I think you can win, like right now. So I, I don't know why they think Patrick Sertan helps them more than Justin Fields, unless they think they're getting Aaron Rodgers or unless they think they have some other quarterback solution, it befuddles me when teams build and build and build because, listen, I agree that Denver and Carolina could have gone for Justin Fields as well, but those are new regimes. There's not the pressure. We talked about that on the Justin Fields pod. There's not the desperation. Detroit and Carolina, the people in charge there have time to get their quarterbacks. Maybe it's Sam Darnold in Carolina. Maybe it's Jared Goff in Detroit. But if it's not, it can be Sam Howell. It can be Spencer Rattler. It can be Keaton Clovis. It can be somebody next year. Denver feels more urgent. I don't, it just felt weird to me, Stephen, as you said, that that's the way they went. And I don't know if they still think maybe they're getting Aaron Rodgers. And that's why they passed on Justin Fields. Yeah, that's actually the interesting caveat. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that news breaking pretty much 45 minutes before the draft start threw everybody off. So, yeah, maybe you're right. That's what it is. If that those discussions were already being had, you better be mad confident that at some point in the next couple, couple of weeks here, that's those discussions are going to lead somewhere, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be your quarterback. Because if not, 
then you're going to be looking like an idiot for going for a defensive back and not a quarterback at number nine and being left with Drew Locke for another season. So you, but if you're, if you're that confident that you're taking a cornerback as the ninth pick in the draft, when you didn't have to take a defensive player at all, that better work out for you in this situation. Even if it wasn't Justin Fields, you, you needed a quarterback and it better be Aaron Rodgers If this is the case. You know, in the end, and I think, I mean, nobody's going to come on here and be like, oh, what a terrible pick. Justin Fields is going to suck. I mean, like, I don't know that our audience would be interested in hearing that, even if we thought it, but none of us think it. I mean, none of us secretly think. We, listen, guys, we don't go off the air and be like, oh, yeah, we actually think Justin Fields isn't going to be very good, but we have to say this on Buckeye Talk. Because we would tell you, and you'd be mad at us. I think we all think Justin Fields is a really good player, right? I mean, I, he was good faster at Ohio state than I thought, but I think we all knew he was going to be good. And he lived up to the billing at Ohio state. This actually reminds me a little bit. There's a lot of ways it's different, but it does remind me a little bit of Baker Mayfield and Cleveland in that it is a quarterback coming to a city that loves football. That is feeling kind of downtrodden. And I think that there is substance but there is also the surface part of it of like, I think Bears fans are waking up this morning with a pep in their step. I think Bears fans are waking up and feeling like we did it. We solved our biggest issue. Here we go. Bear Browns fans, Baker Mayfield said, I'm going to come and, and be the guy in Cleveland. I don't know that if Justin Fields said that on Thursday night, I'm going to save you Chicago. But I, I would imagine Chicago is feeling that whether Justin Fields had to come out and say it or not. And I like that for Justin Fields because he's not like a rah-rah guy necessarily, right? He's not like Baker that way. He's not going to be, you know, I In don't think face. he's – Yeah, yeah at, but, least, at least on camera he's not. But when, when he takes a shot from somebody and gets up, if he does the stuff in Chicago that he did at Ohio State where he takes a, a shot that feels like it burns, an internal organ and he leaves the game for one play and like comes back and throws touchdown passes or he goes in an injury tent and comes out the next play and throws a touchdown pass nathan people in chicago are gonna build statues to this guy and i don't want to get too cliche of like studio big shoulders he's a tough guy but there's a part of the way justin fields handles his business right that like i don't even know who's the who's now, now, like I'm drawing a blank. I went to college in Chicago. It's like Jim McMahon, right? Jim McMahon had a headband, but I actually don't know if Jim McMahon is the perfect Bears quarterback. Like I, I think, I think they Justin haven't had one. Like, has a, <laughs> like has a chance to be like sort of like the defining, right? Like Bears quarterback, and that he handles his business and is like a bad dude who is tough as nails. I just think they're gonna love him. Yeah, I mean, they've had – you think of the, the personalities that have sort of dominated Chicago Bears football over the past, you know, 30, 40 years, and it's Walter Payton, and it's Mike Singletary, and it's Richard Dent, and it's it's uh, Brian Urlacher, and there's, there, is, there is a mentality there. They've just never been able to get it right at quarterback. I was always someone who – I don't know if I would say I defended Jay Cutler, but I thought he was a guy who got the crap beat out of him for a few years and more or less was able to stay on the field and got them to the NFC championship game. And, and, 
you know, produced at a decent amount. I thought the criticism on him went a little bit far, but c- comparing Justin Fields to Jay Cutler just from like a charisma standpoint or a, a personality standpoint, and even though Justin, like you say, is not like a, a – in your face kind of guy and kind of leading with his personality. That's still night and day. I mean, it's still, he still is a more likable person than, than Jay Cutler at his core. And I think those things can, can really sync up. And then if you go out and win, I mean, this is just a, a, franchise that has been dying to fall in love with the quarterback the way they've been able to look around the NFL and see basically every other franchise fall in love with the quarterback and and get to follow them for an extended period of time and and see what they could become and and the success that can come from that and when you think of like just that that crater that's been there and what football means in Chicago what that what the Bears franchise means in Chicago the there, there's a lot that could be syncing up here in a really special way for Justin Fields if he's able to go out and and do it on the field all right I want to talk about Jamison Williams I want to talk about Urban Meyer collecting Clemson players but Stephen I want to make sure you get your full say on Justin Fields anything else about what you were thinking what you think of the fit what you think Justin Fields will be like as an NFL quarterback now that we know where he's going yeah I love the fit and the Browns comparison is just out there. It's, I mean, I was just looking at Baker Mayfield. It's like, how many games did he actually start in 2018? Even though after all those things that, that coach speak, that, that uh, Hugh Jackson, a general manager were talking about 14 starts and no 14 games, 13 starts. So, uh, uh, and then he's in a situation where if Aaron Rodgers is not in that division next year, he legitimately is going to be the most talented quarterback with the highest ceiling. And you've also got that defense. I, I think I said in our video that maybe this isn't a win now year, so you can just throw him out there and get him the reps. Well, no, I think I'm, I'm going to take that back. I think this could be a win now year if this guy gets developed and gets ready to play over the next six months here until the season starts. So I love the fit. Um, I think it's in the right range where he gets to use a little bit of motivational and that, that fake motivation that athletes like to use when they feel like they've been passed over because it still was three quarterbacks taken before him when that when four months ago he was the consensus number two pick in the draft. So it's it's in that right area. It's a perfect fit as far as toughness and everything else. It kind of mirrors what that city is in Chicago, a Midwest city is. I like the fit. I like the position it's into. I think Justin Fields will be fine. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be fun to watch him. And, uh, you know, no disrespect to Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, but, you know, that's an interesting division. And it's one of those things where the Levin had a chance, they didn't, and then their division rival comes up and takes him. And I'll be very curious to see where Chris Spielman's in that war room in Detroit, how it goes long ends in Detroit. Listen, Panay Sewell's a really good player, right? And the offensive tackles never expect as much as quarterbacks. I'll be curious in three years. Because listen, the Bears took Mitch Trubisky instead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But what you can't do is tuck your tail between your legs and be like, we screwed up quarterback and not take a quarterback for years. You got to keep firing until you get it right. So I respect the Bears for saying, we got it wrong, but we're not going to be gun shy. People get quarterback wrong all the time. But then when you get it right, you don't have to worry about it for a decade. So keep trying until you get it right. And I like what the what the Bears did. And I think, of course, we're all going to say it, but we all mean it. We think they did get it right. And we think Justin Fields is going to be a good NFL quarterback. All right, we'll take a quick break on Buckeye Talk. Again, this is the Friday pod. We're recording this at 10 a.m. on Friday morning. Sorry we're getting it to you late, but we're going to talk about Jamison Williams and Urban Meyer next on Buckeye Talk. 
Doug Maurice with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts for Buckeye Talk. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU and read cleveland.com slash Browns as well um, if you care about that stuff. We had a live stream Thursday night for three and a half hours about was mostly about the Browns. We did talk about Justin Fields to s- some degree. The best parts of that are now up on our Orange and Brown Talk podcast feed. We went for three and a half hours. Dan Lobby cut it down to two hours. If you want to listen to us, if you care about the Browns and you want to listen to what we said, what we think was going to happen before the pick, how we reacted to the pick, we're going to do that again live stream at cleveland.com Friday night for day two of the draft. So if you want to get on, you can go watch the live stream for a little bit, you know, hang out, you know, get sort of that, that Ohio centric opinion on what's going on in the draft. Jamison Williams, Nathan, are you surprised that he is in the transfer portal? First of all, and then we'll talk about what it means, but what did you think when that news came out? I I guess I can't say that I was expecting him in particular to leave, but I'm not surprised that someone is leaving that we, we talked coming and And then when I thought about him more, he does seem like the one that would look for an opportunity just because we had, we had a big, a whole podcast segment about it, right. About how, you know, last year he was a starter and then going into 2021, it looks like he's probably would have had to compete just to be the second string guy. Maybe with with Marvin Harrison Jr. debuting the way he did with the early enrollment this spring and with Julian Fleming hanging out there in the background, those potentially those are your two long term guys on the outside that I think Ohio State still has really high expectations for. And Williams, um, you know, played his role last year as that deep threat that was so very occasionally used. But as far as a guy that I think that they were going to look at with a big role long-term it just I don't think he was going to be the guy and I think he since that saw that maybe he was actually told that and it makes sense for him to find somewhere else to play Steven I think you were still a little bit intrigued by what he could do for the Buckeyes if he would have stuck around what what did you think of the move were you surprised as I I'm in the moment yeah because it's just not what you were expecting of the, of the guys in that room you didn't think he'd be the guy to transfer but then when you started to really think about it but like, why? I would, but why? Why didn't any? Like, why wouldn't he be the guy? You don't. Do you think Julian Fleming's gonna transfer? You think Marvin Harrison? You like, who do you think would transfer out of that room? Like, I think he's actually no. a very reasonable transfer out of that room as yeah. a guy who was a starter and had his job taken away. The idea right. that like he's not the guy you thought would transfer is like, what are you talking about? He's exactly the guy you thought would transfer. No, yeah. That after I thought about it, that was my exact my that thought process. Before you're probably thinking it's somebody who's just not playing at all. Maybe Elijah Gardner, Jalen, just the guys who are just not even in the picture. But then when you take a step back, you go, "That guy had nine catches, and he was a starter, and he snapped, had 308 snaps, and now he's not even a starter, and he's going to have even less catches and less targets than he had last year. Last year, that's actually a perfect. We should have probably been been a little bit more thoughtful with that, and then thinking about that. Don't before we? Even, don't we? Me. I'm not surprised at all. I had on the whole podcast, I was saying he didn't produce it all. He's his role is gone. You Fine, were the one who Nathan were arguing. I. Okay. I mean, like this is this is how this works now. The assembly line moves on. And if you don't roll with the assembly line, if you kind of fall off to the side a little bit, like it's over. And I think we have to get used to this. And I sent this to the texters. I think at the very least, we have to expect this. And by the way, when they recruit, we've have said this along the way. When you have a room of 10 receivers, all of whom were top 100 national players, you don't keep 10 receivers. So 
again, whatever part of this podcast was like, we were surprised by this is wrong. There's no surprise to this. This, but it's an indication to me. It's a confirmation that this is the deal, man. Like this is, this is it. And the thing that I wonder is, is, is this unique to the receiver room because the talent there is so stacked, right? That as soon, as soon as you don't keep up with your class, like it's over, right? And it's amazing how quickly things can change, right? But that now you can see, if we look at 2022, Nathan, and I said this in the text, and I think we all think Jackson Smith, the Jigba is going to be good. But if for some reason, Jackson Smith, the Jigba is not particularly productive this year, Ameka Ekbuka is going to take his job next year and then he'll transfer. But right now, if you envision it, it just clears some things up. Because if you look at 2022, we know Wilson and Olave are going to be gone. We Jackson Smith, the Jigba will be back in the slot. But now you look and say, well, who's going to be the starting receivers in 2022? Well, now we think it's going to be Julian Fleming outside at one spot. Marvin Harrison Jr. jumping up already outside at one spot in year two. And Emeka Buka is going to be in there somewhere with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and you move guys around. But I think they're, those are the top four receivers for 2022. And I think that probably would have been the case whether Jamison Williams was here or not, which is why he's not here. But like, that's the reality that we have to be attuned to. And while we don't like to talk about transfers specifically, we have to be open to transfers generally. And this is the exact kind of transfer. And Nathan, the one-time transfer play right away just opens the door on this even more. And I would say this, a top 100 player, who you sort of feel like his role kind of disappeared at one of the three best programs in the country can go and play for almost anybody else. I don't know if he's going to wind up back at Missouri, back home, like Mookie Cooper. I would imagine Brett Bielema is outside the Jamison Williams family home in St. Louis from the minute it happened. Right. I don't know if he'll wind up in the big 10. He could go anywhere. This, to me, is the exact reason for the one-time immediate transfer. Jamison Williams didn't do anything wrong. Jamison Williams is a good player. He's just not quite good enough in this receiver room. Him leaving does not hurt his current team. Him leaving is good for him. It will go help another team. If this is the one-time immediate transfer in action, this, Nathan, to me, is this rule working. Yeah, the, I've always had two big problems with the the way transfer stuff is was set up in the in the NCAA. One of them being that sometimes coaches make mistakes too. So we always talk about you know anytime that a player went somewhere and it wasn't the right fit, they they picked the wrong whatever. That uh, so the coach is half of that equation too, and all of the penalty for that goes on the player as far as having to sit out a year. But then there's also situations like this, like you said, that they they just recruited a ton of talent for that room after Jameis Williams is already committed and signed. I mean, they just kept piling up. And same thing for Mookie Cooper in, in a lot of ways. And also some things changed in the way that they want to use receivers, which led to, to Mookie Cooper, I think, looking elsewhere. And it, this is – you're right. I, like, I don't know why people ever thought it, it was uh, – it was uh, the correct way to do it to make those guys pay the penalty to sit out a year. So now the one dynamic that does change is you can now transfer and be immediately eligible within the big 10 as well. So that'll be the interesting thing to watch in future years when you start losing even these second tier guys from Ohio state going to potentially 
conference rivals, that's where things can start to equalize a little bit, I suppose. But there's still a reason they're leaving Ohio State in the first place. So it, you know, what I mean, like I don't know that it, 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 it's something that could potentially hurt Ohio State from that regard. But um, you're, you're usually you're still not losing your your top end guys. Steven, should we expect, let's say Jamison Williams does wind up in Illinois. And when you transfer, you don't have to transfer home. But I do feel like, I mean, it almost makes me want to look into that. When a guy transfers, what percent of the time does he wind up closer to his hometown as opposed to farther away from his hometown? It's an easy thing to do, go home. But maybe he'll go to Iowa. Maybe he'll go to Penn State. Maybe he'll go to Michigan. I don't know. But Nathan or Steven, should we be like prepared for Ohio State to like populate other Big Ten rosters now? If, Jam- if it's Jamison Williams, if it's not him, it'll be somebody else. And this is going to be like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, Ohio State lost Jamison Williams. What's he's now? He- oh, he's the fifth best receiver in the Big Ten because he went to Northwestern and had 71 catches or he went to Michigan State and had a thousand receiving yards. Like, do we do Ohio State fans just have to be prepared for this? Yes. Ohio State is recruiting for both itself and the Big Ten. Yes. Thanks, Ryan Day. Thanks, Urban. Yes, Here's what, literally every other team in the Big Ten can just go down Ohio State's recruiting class and just go, oh, you're the number one 14 player in the country when there's three other guys at your position who are number 10, 17 and 37. OK, we'll talk. To you. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk in 12 months. We'll talk. Go to spring. Go get some development from those guys and then come on over here. Yes, 100 percent. It's, and especially with these Midwestern guys that they get. James, so he's from Missouri, but Illinois is right there. We've been talking about it with Kyle McCord. Imagine if he was Penn State's quarterback this year. Imagine if he was Penn State's quarterback 12 months from now after a year of development at Ohio State. So, yes, maybe with the West Coast guys, not as much because maybe guys do want to go closer to home because they are still younger. But for these Midwestern guys who are top 100, top 200 guys, yes. We could they, this can come back and bite him in the butt, and Jamison Williams could have a game one year where it's he has eight catches for 115 yards and two touchdowns just because he's not on Ohio State's roster. And and I, I think I figured this out. I think and maybe this is just old man me. I think I like transfers when it's backups going to a lesser team to get a chance to play. I don't love transfers when it's a the best player on a lesser team just deciding. Well, I want to go to the good team. It's like well, you're already playing, right? So now. But like, that's what happened. Like Justin Fields couldn't play. So he didn't get on the field. So he came to Ohio state, but like Jonah Jackson, it was like, Oh, who's Jonah Jackson. It's like, he's Rutgers best player. And now he's an all big 10 guy for Ohio state. And it's like, okay, like, I guess that's good for Jonah Jackson, but it's not like Jonah Jackson was like being denied something. Right. So we were all saw, already saw it happening with grad transfers, but this Nathan, again, this, this just seems very reasonable to me. There's not every part of the immediate transfer rule that I like, but I like this part. Well, and what you're talking about just sort of reinforces how there's two tiers in the Big Ten and Ohio State's on one and kind of everybody else is on the other one, as good as some of the other teams are, as much as we've talked about Penn State and Wisconsin and all they've accomplished, they still don't attract talent. They couldn't – not every – program in the Big Ten could do that, get a person like Jonah Jackson. The reason he wanted to come here was because he thought Ohio State could win a national championship and really nobody else in the Big Ten probably could. So uh, the, the one thing I think this will do, though, is there are probably some Ohio State fans who maybe have taken for granted a little bit how often they get those four stars who rank outside the top 100. Those I think they they sort of sort of over time, you start to shrug your shoulders a little bit at players of that caliber. And I think once this transfer thing 
and when we see more players like Jameson Williams or Mookie Cooper or players ranked even lower, they're just transferring out and maybe staying in the Big Ten. I think they'll start to realize a little bit that there's a dearth of those players throughout the rest of the Big Ten, really. I mean, there's there, the other big the rest of the Big Ten collectively still doesn't really attract that kind of talent the way Ohio State does in any given year. And I think that could be reinforced a little bit as player as we see that sort of maybe get redispersed but I also don't think let's let's not scare I mean it's not going to be like a mass exodus every year of every backup is going to go look somewhere else to, to start I don't think that's going to happen either because I think people also sometimes stick it out here at Ohio State for the long term because as with Jonah Jackson the payoff can be so great at the end of the day and let's right. be clear here they might come back to Ohio State when they play and have a revenge game and have a big big number stats and still lose by four touchdowns so it's not like it's the difference between a win or loss because you lost the number 117 player in the country because you were starting two five stars over him. No, I don't I don't think this is like going to devastate Ohio State's yeah. team building or anything. No. All right. Quick break. We'll be back. Do a little bit of Urban Meyer next on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back. We're going to cut this a little short. We want to get this podcast out to you guys. Steven, Urban Meyer, we all wondered, oh, well, he collect Buckeyes. No, he's collecting Clemson Tigers. We have established a couple things. A, Ohio State fans hate Dabo Sweeney. B, Clemson has good players. And C, Urban just took both of the guys who turbocharged Clemson's little mini dynasty here. I mean, you know, he didn't get, I know Deshaun Watson started it, but I mean, this is amazing. We knew he was taking Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if people had Travis, Travis Etienne mocked to Jacksonville, but what did you think, Stephen? when it happened and like what are Ohio State fans supposed to think of this if anything I mean the Trevor one is just duh so you don't think it you can't think anything of it it's duh you take Trevor Lawrence the Travis Etienne one was kind of a head scratcher because for one I don't know if the reason he ended up taking he said now he's got a third down back they've got three running backs now and obviously he's a change of pace back but I don't know if you need to be thinking about a that type of running back in the first round when you've got the 20 was a 25th pick in the NFL draft. I don't know if that's how you think about that. So that one was a bit of a head scratcher. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess his big board was just Clemson beat me 31 to nothing. So they must be pretty good. And then I watched them beat Ryan Day in a game that they probably shouldn't have won. So they must be damn good. So how about I take some of those guys? But yeah, I don't understand the Travis ATM one. A third down back in the first round doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't actually think he's a third down back. If I mean, they're going to play him. I know they have James Robinson, who's pretty good. I do, I do understand the idea. I think it's not that Urban's making every decision in a vacuum, but it doesn't surprise me that Urban's going to lean to like big time dudes at big time schools, right? That like, I don't oh, yeah. know that Urban's going to be like, oh, we dug out this, you know, Dylan Raddatz from North Dakota State and as a guard in this first. It's like, no, he's taking the recruiting. Freaking, he's yeah. taking the guy from Clemson who like was on TV running around like a maniac. Steven, you mentioned this. Nathan, I want to get your idea on this. It is interesting. Miami has Tua pick Jalen Waddle, college teammates, and they could have taken Najee Harris at 18, which I thought maybe they were going to do, and that would have been crazy. Now Travis La- Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne are together in Jacksonville. The Redskins are not the Redskins. Washington is building a little thing. Chase Young and Justin Fields. I saw at least a couple of people joking on Twitter of like, hey, Chase Young and Justin Fields did a Chipotle commercial together, like bring Justin Fields back to Washington with you, Chase. Nathan, this is interesting to me. I kind of almost like it if it's like there's like an Alabama NFL team and there's a Clemson NFL team and there's an Ohio State NFL team. I think it makes it kind of fun. Yeah. So which right now, is there an Ohio State NFL team or they still have to like build it? 
I mean, the I guess Saints New were doing this, there for a bit. Yeah, yeah the, the Saints were doing the world Ohio State South for a while, which was funny because then Cleveland started drafting all these LSU guys, so they were just trading them. Yeah. No, well, the, the Browns are LSU. That's true yeah, in a lot of ways. The, and the, the Bengals were LSU, too. And Washington's pretty close because they got Curtis Samuel now and Terry McLaurin. So actually, dropped, and then they had Dwayne. And yeah. And Chase. Yeah, so Dwayne, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. So that, they're pretty I, close. Yeah. I will say, I, I agree with Steven that when I heard Urban say later, well, he, we think he could be a great third down back, I was like, well, that's that's where you're spending number. But I, 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 I saw other analysts who I think had talked to him and saying that, like, Urban had said they're taking whoever's ranked the highest for them there, no matter what. Now, if it was a quarterback that was ranked the highest for them, they obviously weren't going to do that. But I, I under I, I guess I I would agree with the draft strategy in their situation of just you've got to just take the best players who are available no matter what because we were one in fifteen last year and that's the only way you're digging out of that hole. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna get this to you as fast as we can. Thanks for hanging in and waiting for it for the Friday pod. We'll be back on Saturday reacting to rounds two and three when we are gonna see between like four and seven Buckeyes I think go off the board on Friday. So we'll have a lot more to talk about when it comes to Ohio state in this draft. Thanks for hanging with us. Justin Fields is a Chicago bear. If you want to buy a Justin Fields Chicago bears Jersey, I know you can go to cleveland.com right now and you can find it there. Go look for it. Cleveland.com slash sports for Nathan and Steven. I'm Doug. Thanks for listening. And that was Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk.